Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are talking about choosing the best exercises. So this would have to be like one of the like key principles with training. In fact, it is the key principle, using the right tool for the right job. Everyone goes into the gym and sometimes you can see these fancy, fancy Instagram posts about different sorts of exercises. Danny and I are having a laugh because sometimes that's what we do is we look through some of the new stuff that's trending and we go, I wonder if this is appropriate biomechanically. So that's what we're going to go through today is we're going to chat a bit about, you know, exercise selection and why it's so important. Yeah. And bearing in mind, there's no good or bad exercise. It's just, as you said earlier, the right tool for the right job. Okay. So our job as coaches and, and people who train, you want to collect as many tools as you can and know when to use them. We don't have to use them all at once, but keep building your, your toolbox up, gather your tools and know when to use them. So today we'll be sharing some of the correct times to use our tools. Mm, absolutely. And we often talk about our toolbox and that there should be many things in there and you're always adding and sub- subtracting and adding more and figuring out what your best toolbox is. Mm. And as you said, Danny, no good or bad exercises, no good or bad toolboxes. Do you know what I mean? It's for who and for what for. So it's really important that we understand this. And even like me and you, Danny, we're going to have different principles and different ways of thinking as well. It's Mm. just, and that's what makes coaches unique as well is what tools they want to use. So I'm excited to get into this one. Yeah, I'll tell you what tools I want to eradicate from my toolbox. I was literally just before this episode scrolling my own Instagram. I went down to probably 2017 and now people are probably going to do it. Go for your life. I want you to see my journey. (laughs) I had 60 kilos on the bar for bench press because I was benching today. Um, And next week I'm going to get 60, but perfect technique rather than the shit show that was 2017. I was looking, I'm like, how did I not die in the gym? And then shortly afterwards, a hundred kilo squat, which was not to depth. I did not earn the right to put it on my back and a sumo deadlift, which I don't know how I survived. So go to 2017. They are the tools, but I'm going to keep them on my page because it's important to realize that We've all gone on a on a training journey. Some Daddy, of us are should, lucky that we didn't die along the way. Far out. We should reshare one because I'm I'm oh. just laughing thinking about me to everyone right <laughs> thank god these days people are trying to get to 100 kilo hip thrust not 100 kilo squat like we yeah. were because hip thrust didn't exist right back so then true. every I, i've i've got the exact video knee sleeves <laughs> belt 100 kilos some old guy in gym spotting me right we right, gotta pull like, them up Listen, I was strong. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. I was strong. I was incredibly strong, but right tool, right job, right purpose, right goal. Back yep. then, had no idea what I was doing. It looked like shit. Like, <laughs> I was the same, like like sumos for the glutes. Yeah, like, you got to do sumos always because you can lift heavier. It's easier. 130 yeah. kilos off the ground at like 45 kilos body weight. No surprise yeah. that people used to look at me funny in the gym. 
Well, that's the thing. And that's why I never really judge people or I, I don't judge people. We're all on our journey. And, and if I had seen myself back then now, I would have been like, yeah, she needs a bit of work on everything. Mm-hmm. But everyone's on their own journey. We're just lucky now that there are more posts and tools for people to learn. We didn't yeah. have anything. We, yeah, like the old guy at the gym that you'd learn off or just someone on an old bodybuilding video. It's so different now. Absolutely. And I think as well, it's super important to name that, Danny, that, you know, we're all on our own path and we, our first ever episode, Lessons Learned and Mistakes Made, you know, I'm sure we spoke a lot about all those things that we did do. And this is why we have these platforms and these messages and this passion to be able to deliver messages that we wanted. Yep. Amazing. So let's get into today. Hey, the first thing that we do, pick a goal. Mm, yeah Mm, and there's lots of different goals you can have right yeah super important to know what you're working towards this is the most fundamental thing that we need to understand before embarking on a on a specific type of program or Mm. way of eating or anything right it's really important to know what your overall primary goal is and there can be so many of them Obviously, our podcast and our background, right? We have we're competitors, we're WBFF pros, we have body composition goals, but that's also not the only reason why we step foot in the gym or train. Yeah, and I'm noticing a lot of the challenges that come out. They're not just about weight loss these days. It's more performance based or sport or like mm. what can you do, like handstands, things like that. And I love it. It's you know, people, there's still going to be a lot of clickbait on weight loss and all of that, but it's slowly, slowly changing, which is so cool. People are having fun with what they're doing in the gym or not even in the gym. I mean, you can, yes, you can have a weight loss goal and that's great. You can have a strength goal, body Mm. composition, rehab you might need, um, Mm. you know, sports, gymnastics, overall health and well-being. The list is endless and it's okay. You're at your individual journey. So just pick what you enjoy doing. Yeah. And this is something that I know we spoke about a little bit on, um, on my parcels here. You know, when, when your parcel from boohoo.com rocks up. Oh, what did you order? I can't remember. Yeah. It's a bit like that. (laughs) I never, I never online shop, but Luke will sign that one for me. Thanks. Yeah. Bless Um, him. Bring it on in my air fryer. Just as I said, excitedly before we recorded, I just got an air fryer today and this has been the first week that I've really used it. I used one for the first time last week. Um, I don't know how I lived without it, to be honest. Can't believe that. I do remember Sorry, I got everyone. G-strings. You know oh, what? shit, yeah. Air frying G-strings. We're set for a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I treat myself and I'm like, all right, let me just go on and buy 50 Treat yourself pairs. or Luke? Oh, well, you know, they're actually gym <laughs> G-strings, so definitely not for Luke. You wear through them, right? <laughs> oh, so Boohoo do, um, absolutely, do gym G-strings. Oh, well, they've got just like an active line on there. And do you know when mm. you find like the right cut? Oh, yeah. Like, times 10 in the shopping cart and anyways back on track I can't remember (laughs) I was gonna say it's all relevant it's all relevant (laughs) you know how we did the podcast on goal setting yes that is so important and if anyone hasn't listened to that please go back and have a listen to our goal setting podcast because this is something I've changed my mind on in the last six months coaching is I would get a client in and we would chat about goals and what they wanted to work towards. And for a lot of um, my clientele, and I, I'm, I imagine our listeners, such high achievers, already mm. doing a lot of the things, succeeding in a lot of different areas. And 
you know, realistically, probably in that top 20% of the people in the gym, you know, already following mm. structured train, training and tracking macros. It's really important to get clear about your goals, but then being okay if it's not so objective and so yeah. like, like fixated on must hit this or must hit that. And I've really moved into being like, okay, well, what are the other ways that we can measure success mm. that is not just aesthetic or even weight related on the bar, right? Because yep. if you think about what's controllable, the actual load that we lift each day in the gym is not in our control. There's too many variables that can influence that, how we slept, what we ate, like many other variables. Yep. And that's the goal with, the. Um, I guess that's the problem with a lot of smart goals that you'll hear people set being mm. like, I'm going to lose four kilos by X. And it's like, well, it's not realistic. there's too many variables. So understanding mm. like, you know, that health and well-being or mental health, like that can be a goal. How do you measure that? It's really difficult. Yeah. Well, a lot of my clients as well come to me and some of them train seven days a week. So our goal is learning how to respect your body in a way that mm-hmm. involves pulling back, having a rest day or, or an active rest day, things like that. Um, as you said, focusing on sleep and mindset and all of that as well. So it is more than just how much weight are you lifting in the gym and how often are you killing yourself in the gym? Well, no, treat yourself like an athlete. Yeah. Another goal would be if you're sick to have a rest day, like that's yeah. hard for people, but you know, I reward that because yeah. then they come back and perform better. So yeah. things like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's about that volume dial, knowing how to turn up and turn down without guilt. Really important that we can do both um, each way and measure success in both and understand the importance and the relationship of both in achieving your goals because your goal is a long-term picture, right? And to get to your goals, goals, goal, you need to respect where you are now. You need to respect recovery. And it's also really important to find a training style that you enjoy because this is a long, lifelong thing our training you want to have fun with it as well so it doesn't always have to be bodybuilding or powerlifting you know you can play sports you can go for a run with a friend you can dare I say do crossfit or f45 you know all in good time and your journey is an individual um so yeah naturally you and I are going to talk about strength training and hypertrophy because that's what we specialize in and what we love, but there's so many other ways to have fun and stay active as well. But let's bring it back to the gym because that's what we do best and that's what we love. Absolutely. I'm really glad that you said that as well because it is important to understand that you know, you don't have to stick to one way of doing things. And it's Mm. important for our system to have changes and time doing other things and not always so stay so regimented in one way. Yeah, for sure. So what to consider when as a coach, if we're writing a program for our client, or if you're someone who wants to write your own program, you must consider, yes, your goal, but your training experience. Are you new or have you been in the game 10 years? How often can you train? How many days a week? Is it going to be a three-day whole body split or four or five days and split up the muscle groups? Mm. How long can you spend in the gym? Half an hour, one hour, two hours? Available equipment. Are we in lockdown? I hope not anymore. Sorry to everyone overseas, but find what's available and find the movement patterns that you spend most of your day in. Are you sitting down all day, every day? Cool. You probably wouldn't jump on a leg extension Mm. or a seated leg press. Okay. So there are lots of factors to consider. Now, 
when someone wants a quick fix program or I get it all the time, hey, Danny, can you just write me this? And then, you know, just this quick program. I'm oh. like, well, no, sorry, I don't I get that do all that. the time. You too. would as well. Hey, do you mind just writing me up? And it's like, well, no, I need to consider this, 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 this. So if you want a program from Sherelle or I, awesome. You come to our coaching group where we can get to know you and your life. It's not just a matter of, Here's 10 by 12, um, 10 bicep curls, 10 glute bridges. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, we need to consider all of those factors. Oh God, daddy, it triggers me when you get those emails and you're like, Hey, um, can I just have a once-off program? And I'm like, do you just want five different random puzzle pieces to try and make a picture? Like it doesn't work like that. And that's what. That's an easy bloody sell. Oh, yeah. If we didn't really have values, we could easily do that, right? But again, thinking, we always talk about thinking the long game. You have to think about the long game for your career too, because for the trainers who are listening, who want to grow their brand, everything that you do will contribute to your brand okay mm-hmm. it might come back 10 years down the track one of those shitty programs that you just wrote out because someone wanted it that you didn't really agree with but you wanted to make 50 bucks that'll come back and bite you so mm-hmm. always remember your vision okay and stay authentic yeah absolutely and that it's that word authentic as mm-hmm. well like if that's a message that you spread then it sort of needs to be on the forefront of who you are what you do what you specialize in mm-hmm. um, but what I wanted to say about the training experience bit that you said is I often see people that all may come to me and say, yeah, I've been lifting for five, 10 years. Yeah. So I go, cool. You know, it used to be like training experience up here. But now what I'm realizing is, okay, your training age does not dictate your training experience. Mm. You can be um, in the gym for 10 years and still be a beginner. Yeah. Vice versa, you can be have trained six to 12 months and be um, like, I guess, intermediate as well. Yeah. Like it, it's your age and experience are two separate things. So often when I jump on an interview with someone, I'll, they'll tell me and I'll be like, cool, like, you know, so what's your training look like? Tell yeah. me about it. And that's when I get a bit better of an understanding. Like I don't, if I, if myself, when I was like 20, was like, yeah, I'm squatting a hundred kilos. Yeah. I would be like, oh, wow, that's <laughs> impressive. But then if I watched that, I'd be like, <laughs> look like shit. hundred yeah. percent. And that's what, that's what you have to learn as a coach. People are going to come to you and talk the talk and they might not know any wiser. We didn't know any difference. Yeah. yeah I've squat a hundred. Yeah. Bench 60 or whatever. And it looks like shit. Well, that's <laughs> why it's important to go through movement screens. Okay. Yeah. Or people who have injuries, and they're like, well, I train my back like nearly every day, you know, seated rows, everything. And then you might look at that row and there's no movement from the shoulder blades at all. And you're like, mm. oh, okay. Well, technically you're not really training back. So talking is always important, but then um, actually watch them move through movement yep. screens. Absolutely. Yeah. And for the coaches that are listening, like if you're not testing, you're guessing. Do you know what I mean? If you can't Mm. see what your clients are doing and how they're moving and what it looks like, what that 100 kilo looks like on the bar, then you're guessing with your programming. And for me, I'm like, I need to see what people are doing. This is why I'm like team tripod. It's like I need to see what you're doing. Otherwise, I can't help you. And you probably yeah. get this too, Danny. It's maybe um, perhaps in the rehab world, like if, if someone says like, oh, I've got this problem, it's like you're you're useless if you can't see and assess and be able to see what's actually going on. Otherwise, you're just guessing and you may as well just go and get a cookie cutter program because that's really the, the base that you have to work with. 
Yep, for sure. Team tripod. I need to buy another one. Today I was filming myself in the gym and I had to put my um, phone in my lifting shoe, which worked actually quite well. <laughs> I saw well. that with your dumbbell row. I was like, oh, daddy's in on the close up. I wonder what she's I doing. know, I was too close, but I couldn't be No, bothered. I love it. Oh, love thanks. It yeah, and then I didn't really film anything else. It's just bench and then the, the dumbbell row. And then I just got on with it and came here and recorded this. But anyway, yeah. don't be scared to film yourself. And I can understand why. Mm. But, you know, slowly, slowly, more people are doing it, which is great. And at the end of the day, no one's going to judge you if you're filming yourself. It means you're getting feedback. Mm. Yeah. And if you're working with online coaches, we want to see your videos. Yeah. love when people send videos in. That's what the Mm. job is. So team tripod or team put your phone in your shoe. Yep. I take my Sony A7 with my big tripod my Troby tripod and I sit it right in front of the cable rack and <laughs> I don't care and the same as like I don't care if people walk in front of it or like walk around like do your oh, thing yeah. and I'll do my thing it's sort of like whatever it's everyone's in the gym for their own selves at the end of the day yeah yeah fantastic so training experience we went over any sports that people play again mm. sports are very one-sided you know like us playing tennis everything's one-sided or yep. if they run okay cool there are going to be specific imbalances strengths and weaknesses based on them um, and different movement patterns as well so for someone who wants to improve their vertical leap they need to be doing squats lunges step ups things that are mm. in that vertical plane um, so just take their sport have a look at how they move ask them to demonstrate. I even had a um, chick come to me yesterday at the gym and she was a Frisbee player. Like that's epic, but she had injuries. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had to like, I know what Frisbee looks like, but then I just asked her, what are some of the positions? And it was like Mm -hmm. a half lunge with like rotation through the body and things like that. So Mm -hmm. if you're unsure of the movements, just ask, Mm -hmm. okay, which movements do they perform in their sport? And then strengthen that pattern, but then also strengthen the patterns that are being neglected. So she was dominant in twisting one way. Okay, cool. We're going to strengthen her twisting the other way. Always yeah. focus on that. Yeah. And that's something I found with competing as well. Like so much restriction through my thoracic when mm, I first crazy. started competing, quarter turn to the right. Oh no, God. No quarter turn to the left. Right. So yeah. this rotation was so shitty. And I was like, what can I do? And I was like doing just one side with the cable, like trying mm. to get movement through there so it's not even like what you said just about sports I think it's super important that if people are playing sports they're taking that into consideration absolutely but occupation movement patterns positions like um, ranges of motion normal habits like um, I know I spoke a lot in the past about like even my work um, as a nurse always being on my feet um, like just having understanding of lifestyle considerations because this has a massive impact on programming oh Um, yeah I have a client who does like 20 hours on the gym floor doing group classes, right? So like everything that she does with her own training has to be so efficient and to the point there is absolutely no room for junk volume, junk miles, like what we spoke about. Mm. So it's really important that lifestyle considerations also come into your program. Yeah, great. And that moves into um, how long someone can train for, how long you can train for. Let's just say you have an hour, okay, which it is most people i have an hour for the gym okay you're not you shouldn't just cram as many exercises as you can in that hour okay because now we know the importance of warming up activating mobilizing all of that stuff cool take that into consideration have one big lift i'd say or your main um depending on the style of training that is of course naturally i brought it back to mine let's just say you want to squat deadlift bench and then you have your accessories Um, or you want to go on a big hip thrust or a hack squat, cool. 
focus on that, get ready for that main lift. And then you can go through maybe two, three, four accessories, but there's no point rushing through. Now that's what we see all the time. People, okay, I've only got an hour. They're already thinking about, I have to catch the train later or go into work, rush through everything. And then it's not efficient. Okay. So you're probably better off just slept in, in the first place, wake up, do everything properly, give your hundred percent effort in each individual exercises, even if it's only two or three exercises, and then that's your training session done. Absolutely. And any time I've ever injured myself, I was in a rush. Yep. And not even just um, physically, but mentally, if you're scattered in your thoughts, like it's so easy to let things slip, let form mm. slip, let your mind wander. And then you got to think, you know, then who then who loses if you get yep. injured and you can't train for the next week? Like the best way to make progress at everything and anything is to stay injury-free and consistent, right? Mm. And I feel like programming is the best way to make sure both of those things can happen. Mm. I think a lot of people, I was doing some research, I was like, let's see what's in the world of women's um, training. Like what, mm-hmm. what cookie cutter programs, what do they look like? So I was doing some market research oh. and I was like, why is everything five or six days? Like why is everything super high volume, like su- like 10 exercises, junk shit at the end of them? Like it's just the same stuff I'll see. I was like, why is it all of a sudden that we go females building muscle or toning that automatically means, okay, four sets of like 15 to 20. Why is that like the stock standard? So Mm. for programming for me, I really like to like challenge ideas to be like, if you can get away with doing less like and get the same, if not a better result, why not do it? Like less is usually more. And like what you said, Danny, get so many people doing six, seven days of training, just making absolutely no progress because they're in the 50% range. They're so overdoing it that they're underdoing their intensity. And if the last five reps are really what make the biggest difference, they're not even getting there. Mm, That's right. Yeah. And for people, you know, we understand that it is mental health as well. And if you do want a sixth or seventh day in the gym, great, but you know, I would call it a technique day. All right, cool. You've had your big, heavy deadlifts on Monday and then you really don't want to take a rest. Yes, we'll have a conversation about that. But for some people, it's just non-negotiable. All right, whatever. Um, Cool. Go into the gym with a kettlebell or an empty bar and just hire reps just to practice technique. That's how I word it. But yeah, really, we need to become disciplined in our program and our rest. But it comes with experience, comes with trusting the person who is doing your program and trusting yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot in it. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of variables that we'll be talking today. But yeah, recovery is just as important as your training and warm-ups are even more important Mm -hmm. than your actual training because cool, you skip the warmups and activations and all that. And your body is still molded in the position from when you're sleeping or Mm. your 10 hours at the office. That's how you hurt yourself. Mm, Absolutely. Yep. I program um, like getting out in nature and self-care. If people like that, I'm like, go for a walk. Like you don't need that sixth or definitely not seventh day in the gym. What happens if gyms shut down again? Do you know what I mean? We need to find other avenues of being okay with moving our body. Mm. I just think it's it's not just dancing. Go dancing. 
dancing. <laughs> but I really wanted to go to one of those. Um, Luke talked me out of it because you know what? those trampoline places. Oh yeah, bounce. Like, yeah, Luke's like, how many people like break legs? I'm like, it's probably oh, yeah. true. And you know what? It, I'd freaking do it. I'll roll <laughs> an ankle. But there's so many like rock climbing. I really want to yeah. go rock climbing. Like things like that that you don't even recognize that you have access to. It's not just all sets, reps, deadlifts. Like mm. we need to be preparing our body for normal movement. Like go. Mm. Go for a light jog. Go on the monkey bars again. Monkey bars. You know, these other sorts of ways of expressing yourself through movement. Um, Yeah, for sure. Some more, I guess, some more consideration. So how you do an exercise is more important than the setup, the sets and the reps. And we've spoken about this so many times Mm. that our muscles just know time under tension and stimulus and movement patterns. So really fixating on how your form looks. Yeah. You need to be obsessing when you first get into the gym. Yeah, for sure. Your first rep, your warm-up rep with an empty bar or a body weight has to look like your top set, okay? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just cook yourself. And that's where the weak links come out, you know. Everyone wants to skip the groundwork and the foundations and all of that and get straight to the cool fun stuff, but you break down, you hit walls, you get injured, you you don't progress in your weight, you know. We've been through it. Everyone's mm-hmm. been through it. Um just do the groundwork now. So, yeah, how you do an exercise is more important, okay? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's skill skill-based learning. Strength is a skill as we always say. Um, so yeah, definitely master your movement patterns and perform the exercise well. Yeah, absolutely. And something I like to, um, lean on is something called a runway progression that I use for a lot of the bigger lifts in being like, I would rather progress someone than have to regress them. You know, young Danny and Sherelle walking into online coaching with our 100 kg back squat. I would actually hope that a coach would take that off my back, seeing the way I moved yeah. it and regress me. <laughs> Being yeah. like, you know, A for enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, but try. Yeah. Definitely not high marks for you, though. But what I like to do is like take clients through a runway progression. So starting them, like, just say you're wanting to get to like, a a deadlift being like cool can you do a 45 degree back extension first properly with good form activating glutes awesome can you do a single leg rdl great tick can you do a you like a, a bilateral rdl with dumbbells awesome let's move on to barbells single leg work and like just progressing people through and everyone's runway progression looks different some people make a few jumps some people could start here some people mm. start there but like from experience i hate regressing people right so i'd rather start them from the regressed yeah progress. that's brilliant on, on programming anyways and that's what it is we have the fundamental movement patterns and then you can either go forward or i don't really want to say forward or backwards but yeah progression and regression because sometimes the regression would be a great warm-up okay so you haven't actually regressed you're just using an easier version than the actual lift so yeah you've got like a timeline of all exercises and then again more tools in the toolbox us as coaches need to learn where do they fit on that timeline like what you were saying and then do we go forward or backwards like Mm, that okay and that's so fine so the regressions if someone's injured you would give them regressions multiple times a day for high reps okay and a side plank from the knees for example Mm. cool do that a couple of times a day but then in your actual training program um side plank with abduction lifting the leg up Mm. same movement pattern but it's easier or harder depending on what our goal is yeah absolutely and when i really started thinking like this in the way that i program 
for myself and my clients, it really did change a lot because I'm like, oh, like this is should be here, but then they need this as well, this movement. And okay, they need this, but they should be able to sort of abduct as well. So it's not like all exercises are so important in that piece of puzzle. And just because you're mm. progressing at one thing, um, it doesn't mean that everything else gets neglected. And I also think it's really important to have that continuum in mind for everything and being like some things you'll be progressing a lot quicker at than what other things were however it's super important to also consider in that progression there is always considerations for goals Mm. so perhaps some of those exercises that yeah like look a clean and snatch is super high technical right does Mm. not serve a place in our style of programming at all a clean and snatch Mm. but it doesn't mean that we're working towards that either so you'll got that's where your goal comes super important in that yeah for our goals we don't need to to learn that but we break down the components of that, you know, a squat using your yeah. upper body. Um, Look, I've and- definitely done a clean and snatch before. I'm not going to lie. I've tried There you them. go. <laughs> yeah, they're hard. People at our gym have been doing it. I swear everyone's getting into Olympic lifting now. That's like the next thing that's coming up. And I just sit there in awe watching being like, I'm never going to do that. But well done to nah. you. That looks great. Yeah, nah. um, but it's not for our sport. But um, what was I going to say? Um, I've lost my words for the first time in a long time. So Holy shit. I know. I don't know. Take it away, Cheryl. I've literally lost my words. (laughs) Morphology considerations. So morphology is like your structure. Um, You know this, you know, anyone that's had a baby, you look at morphological considerations of a fetus, right? Yeah, We're looking at like femur lengths and like different structures and torsos and, and limb size and, you know, all these things that make up our body size and structure that might predict what type of squat works best for us. Yeah. Um, And I think like, this is really important when you look at people like with super long femurs or like short torsos and how they fit into not just pieces of equipment, but then also like I said the squat style or the deadlift style and their foot stance and all those sorts of things so that's something to definitely consider as well as your structure yeah because people see technique someone doing technique a certain way and try and mimic it but their hip sockets might be deeper or shallower or as the um, landmarks that you mentioned femur length things like that so that's why it's important to learn how to find your optimal position as well for a squat Mm. for a deadlift for machines um and back on when i forgot what i was going to say that's what i was going to say with programming that's why you and i do at least 16 weeks at a time okay we don't do one-off programming because we need to have someone on that long timeline that's more than just a month okay Mm. because there's always going to be things that we're working towards and it takes time and then if we have one main goal let's just say i want to increase my squat okay cool then we might not be pushing every single other lift just as hard mm. but then we might do a month of that and then change the next month and and all of that so as a coach and as someone writing their own program consider a big block of time not just week by week or month by month yeah absolutely you know you got your meso cycles which can be like four to six eight weeks and then your macro cycles which is like you know looking at your annual calendar of what you want to be doing and you know i probably spend like 70 80 percent of the year in hypertrophy styled phases then i might dabble in some more like remedial um, mobility stuff which is what i'm doing at the moment i rarely ever double in true strength style training come on i've got to get you down to pro roll mate and lift some heavy shit (sighs) I, I will I will um, <laughs> I will in the future but not now and I think yeah, it's cool. really important to know to just to know that like it's all phases it's all blocks it's all, mm. it's all like it all marries into each other it all serves a purpose it's just yep. for 
what for. And the tolerance, volume and frequency is going to depend individually on where you're at. Yeah, 100%. And what you enjoy doing as well as we go back to. That was our next thing was the psychological considerations. And I love that you mentioned earlier about um, if we removed emotion from our training like and said, okay, what is my goal, right? My goal is to win a figure. Not really, but like to say your goal is to win a figure show. What is the best way objectively to get there? Removing all emotion, right? All emotional enjoyment. I can tell you it's going to look very different to what actually happens because Mm. a big picture of coaching is being able to give someone something, a strategy, a process that they can follow, adhere to and be consistent, Yeah, right? And if we removed like the psychology of training, like for example, Danny, some people love that strength style training, getting stronger, having progression of numbers, Mm. maybe that's like, you know, not the most important thing for hypertrophy, but that's a significant psychological factor for a lot of people is seeing Mm. that strength progression. So I think people are quick and easy to be like, oh, well, you know, you remove your emotion, but that's super important for the number one principle being consistency. Yeah, perfect. And I only really remove the emotion when it gets really hard at the end of a comp prep, but I love being emotional with training. Like I don't do it in a way that doesn't serve me. It's a way that serves me, you know, those, those emotions that when it's really hard, you're like, fuck, when it's, when you, you get your lift or you train hard, you reward yourself, you high five, all of that. Um, so oh, there's yeah. a difference between, yeah, I definitely tap into being a robot in mm. comp prep, like, at towards the end food is fuel just give me all the numbers and calculate i'm like you know on the matrix where all the numbers are going that's comp prep and that's how it has to be otherwise because it's really hard and if you let your emotions come into it game over um but then when it comes to when you're not as um, tough on yourself and it's not as strict and regimented cool have a bit of emotion in there but just the emotions that serve you Yeah, absolutely. I think you see it a lot in the online space of people being married to certain exercises and certain ways of doing things. That's more the emotional attachment decisions that I see people, you know, the old, oh, because I said so from the coach is like, why am I doing this? Oh, because I said so. Because it's their Surely people don't still say that. Of course they do, Danny. No. I, I love watching the egos fight with each other about stuff on Instagram. No. Um, but yes, when people have a level of confidence, they've been doing something and it's worked for a lot of, you know, a long time and it's their way or the highway. Um, that's what they preach. They're emotionally biased towards certain styles of training or ways of doing. It's like the herbal life people and all that isogenics right they're married to that being the only way for a lot of it whereas when you can remove that emotion and being like you know there's multiple ways to skin a cat there's <laughs> 10 ways to get a job done yeah. you know that's that's the way that you need to remove the emotion yeah so they've only got one tool in their toolbox and that's shit what yeah. if they need a screwdriver they've only got a spanner well they hit it as hard as they can yeah they're like i'm gonna get this (laughs) nail in i don't care how long it takes or if you break doing it that's literally that's actually it yeah that's it i've been through multiple different um you know experiences like that where i've just been told just because it's the way we do everything and you know what it's not even just fitness it's definitely not just fitness healthcare in the hospital settling it's the way we've always done it it's just because no. we've always done it, you know, and it's not until, right, and this is like breakthrough, is like it's not until new creative minds come into spaces and question. Mm. And that's what you used to see in, um, for example, like the nursing and midwifery space because it mm. is 
an older generation and population when the younger ones come in with research and evidence and ways of doing things it's like yeah why do we use an alcohol swab before we do that when it's sterilized you know why do we use 18 gauge when the research says 16 you know it's it's like why and the response is always like oh because we've done it for 20 years and yeah you, this is everything this is everything it's not just fitness but i think it is as well as fitness it's just important to recognize that that is an emotional bias and attachment to things Good examples. That was awesome. Really good. And you look, at the end of the day, you can't go wrong with being backed by science, okay? If that person can genuinely say, cool, this study has proven this, 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 or this method, blah, 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 great. If it's backed by science, awesome. If it's because they said so or because they've always done it like that, question it. Try another method yourself. Amazing. Really important point, actually, because... Yeah, it's a bit of a case of monkey see, monkey do. And I think we've all been caught up in it a little bit. But now you and I are really stepping into this role and, and mm. trying to be a leader and or not trying to, being leaders and, and leading by example. Um, so we always are open-minded. We know what has worked for us, but it's just easier not getting caught up in all the shit. Yeah. Oh, it's so much easier. Focus and- on yourself. Dropping the ego is the most humbling thing you can do when it comes mm. to this sort of stuff. Being like, cool, I, I don't understand this concept. Educate me. Mm. When it comes back with, because I said so, that's when I'm like, cool, I'm going to remove myself and not absorb yeah. anything else that you say. And just yeah. back to, and I want to point out as well, evidence-based is obviously the most, you know, best way we can go about things. But, you know, I'm also coming to that realization that you can find evidence to support almost anything that you say. So Mm -hmm. it does come back to a lot of people and you would get this as well, Danny, where did you learn all this? And I'm like, just, I've just, you just collect along the way. Yeah. Take a little bit of what you want. You leave what you don't. You agree with this. You consume that. Mm. And there's not like, you know, runways of progression. There's no blueprints. It's just things that you create in your own systems and ways of thinking and processes. Yeah. And this is why, like, I know I knew with this episode we were going to go down a few rabbit holes because mm. I'm like, it's so complex. There's and so much in it. It's just a, here's the best program. Mm. Yeah. And it's not true. And that's why it's so important to have a coach. Um, When it does come to movement and movement patterns, although we are different, we do have movement patterns that uh, we're humans, we're built certain Mm. ways. So our body will never move in a way that it's not designed to, um, but it's just a matter of, okay. So for example, a, a knee cave, we're designed that way for a reason. That movement's there for a reason. However, as a coach, we need to learn, well, do we load a knee cave? Will that cause pain? Do we yeah. allow someone's knees to cave on a squat and then we increase the weight on their back? Well, no, not really. But mm. can their knee cave when they're moving in everyday life, bending down to pick things up? Awesome. Okay. Mm. So that's where the coaching um, comes into play. So yeah. we'll never be able to move in a way that we're not designed. It's the loading that is important. When do we load? When do we Absolutely. not load? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a good coach or a good mentor will teach you a way of thinking, not doing. And I think that's Mm. really important to know is they'll give you their thought processes and ways of perhaps doing things, but it's never going to be fixed. And I think um, even, for example, like the hip thrust, Danny, people are like, you know, it's invented Brett Contreras 2016. It's like thrusting was like, was it BJJ? Like when did, where did that actually come from? I don't even know. Came in. Yeah, it came from martial um, arts. (laughs) The first people to ever do the deed. Martial arts, bridging was in martial arts. Yeah, yeah, to get there people you go. Off them. So, like, no one's reinventing the wheel, right? Mm. There's like different sequences and patterns and, you know, setups and all these sorts of things. But biomechanically, we all hinge, squat, pull, press, rotate, yeah. carry, thrust. 
Mm. And it's just a sequence of putting it all together. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, fantastic. So, yeah, and it um, another factor to consider, intensity and volume, okay? A lot of people have really high volume, so lots of sets and reps and high intensity, but you need to cycle through, okay? Maybe you're doing five or six um, reps of the main lift and then you up the reps in your accessory. We don't just do as much of everything as what we can at any given time, okay? We need to learn to cycle that. And that comes with experience. That comes with feedback on how you pull up the next day or how your client pulls up. That's why communication is always important and giving them space to reflect on the workouts, Obviously, if you've started a new program or if you're new to training, you're going to pull up a little bit more dusty than normal. Um, but, you know, know what to expect. Are you in pain the next day? Yes or no. Uh, do you need an extra rest day? Yes or no. It's all feedback. Mm. Absolutely. And that intensity versus volume as well, a really good principle that's really easy to go back to is um, one by Polyquin. It's that intensification mm. accumulation um, cycle that I used to train like that. I don't anymore, but that's a really easy way of balancing the two because um, it's just about understanding like what type of progression you want to go on. But something else I wanted to chat about was um, a consideration that I use, is, which is the length tension relationship between muscles. And mm. that's something that Um, I use with like supersets and pairing exercises together. So understanding that every muscle in our body has like a shortened position that we train it in a mid range position, and then also a lengthened position. So a really easy, easy understanding, like with the glutes, for example, like using like a Romanian deadlift or something like that, that stretches, that really stretches, that's a lengthened. And then hip thrust is short. And then perhaps a 45 degree back extension would be mid range. So these are other considerations, right? And like pairing those together, it feels so good when you pair a hip thrust with an RDL and that's usually the, the mythology behind it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Training them in different ranges. Now there are some muscles that you don't need to train in all ranges. So your chest, for example, your pecs, you, yes, your arm can move all the way back, but you wouldn't start a bench press with your arm behind you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so there are some instances where you wouldn't have the lengthened glutes. Perfect. Taken through all (laughs) ranges, all angles. They need that chest. Be just be safe with your joints, for example. But you'd still do a fly. That's yeah, but again, you you wouldn't take it all. Like my hand can go so far back, and obviously people can't see. But if we do IGTV, you will. I would not start a fly from all the way dumbbells no, really touching the but ground. Just you know the what appropriate I mean? range. Yeah, just appropriate, appropriate range, and yeah. and everyone's different, and feel it for yourself. Um, but yeah, definitely play around with all the different lengths. So what I notice on the hip thrust is a lot of people start with the bar on the ground, and yes, we're all different heights, and our benches are different heights. Now when they go up. okay great but on the way down they think that they need to hit the ground with the bar again Mm -hmm. and if your bench is too high there's no point going all the way down to the ground because you're going to lose tension through your core so again Mm -hmm. just play around with the range and say if i move all the way down will i lose tension yes or no oh i do okay cool i'm going to stop a couple of inches before the ground because i Mm -hmm. keep tension so Mm -hmm. important yeah, absolutely. Because those real extreme end ranges, you're really training joints. And that's not necessarily yep. like a bad not thing. But when I, yeah, when I look at like a hip thrust, you know, you, you also look at the purpose of it. I'm like, I'm training the glutes in the shortest position. Therefore, you would never do a pulse at the bottom of a hip thrust. No, you know, so that's, where that's that a length- quad pump thing. You almost yeah, would get a quad pump. Know, it's like a useless pump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 
That's where the length tension relationship comes in being like, when is the most stimulus applied in this movement? And that's, I'm big on like constant tension with hip thrust. Mm. Yes, you can probably get stronger debatably if you did pause reps, but is that really the goal with a hip thrust anyways? Like I'm, I'm, I usually almost always program constant tension and as well, like the benches, mm. like, you, you know how there's like two heights? There's yeah. Like a, bench and then that middle one if you can't get that middle one and you've got to go for that higher bench it's fine but you don't want to be trying to jack up a huge amount of weight from that bottom position because you can hurt your back doing that 100 percent. the only re- the only way where i would really allow for the weight to touch the ground again is if you're using those small boxes yeah. like that's nice that's fine up and down or mm. if you're doing um a barbell glute bridge from the ground yeah. with no bench up and mm. down totally fine but yeah again play around with it for sure there's a lot of factors in this. Our technique and exercise ones always highlight how much is actually in it. And I hope it doesn't confuse people. I just want you guys to know that there's not one way, all right? So you need to put your detective hat on and find the best way for yourself and for your clients and have fun with it and just be confident that, yes, there are fundamental principles for you to follow, but it's okay if your way looks a little bit different because your client might need mm. a different way to what someone on Instagram's putting. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's keep Absolutely. going. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like when you first start trading, you go through a lot of other people's strategies and systems. You go through a lot of different programs and challenges mm. and coaches, and you're really just trying to figure out what works for you and your lifestyle. Like there's no wrong way to do a thing unless it's actually technique wise, right? Like you can make a case for almost everything when it comes yeah. to programming. Some people believe that you should have your compound lifts as your primary mover right, as your A series. But there's also a case for that being later on in your sequence if it's not a priority and you're not lifting for strength. You know, there's ways of really having it multiple different strategies, I should say. Yeah. It's just finding the one that suits you and your goal and what's appropriate. Yeah, because, um, well, we can move on to sort of exercise order. And, again, this is variable. So generally, if you're really stiff, mobility comes first okay in the upper back for example if you're so stiff there's no point activating first mobilize if that's what you need then activate yeah then bring in your movement pattern work um compounds if that's going to be your main performing act on the day okay big compound lift and then accessories but we can reverse it you can have your activations first a little bit of mobility Mm. still your movement pattern work but if you want to pre-fatigue okay accessories and then some compounds It really depends on your goal. The only ones that would stay at the start would be mobilization, activation, and movement pattern work. And then Mm. your compound and accessories come after. Absolutely. Because compound really just means using multiple different joints and muscles as well. Mm. And accessories being single joint. And there's definitely um, times where I've done both where I've had compounds as my A series because I'm in more of like a um, a performance phase where I'm really trying to push intensities and really um, get things up. And then, you know, definitely phases where I've had accessories. And sometimes Mm. I really love doing that because it's almost like a bit of activation as well at the same time. So they can bleed into each other. You can have multiple different ways of doing it. And like, what you just said Danny it really does highlight um like the processes that it's like it really is a jigsaw puzzle putting together a good program it is it is so when I'm not in comp prep or let's just say for most weeks of the year um my compounds come 
before accessories, but then there was some, um, when I, in a comp prep where I was, I needed a lot of work. I needed to really spend hours in the gym. I had pre fatiguing, um, Mm. exercises. So for hamstrings, for example, and then I would put the compounds after, which I did not like, I don't think I'll do that again, but it still is a thing. It worked. So yeah, definitely. Um, and then sequences are really important. So the way that you do it. So an example that I love to use for more rehab and, and performance-based um, is from Stuart McGill, Professor Stuart McGill, the lower back specialist. And he states that proximal stability equals distal ability. So proximal means really close to your spine. So the more stable you are around the spine, the better you are able to move your arms and legs. Okay. Mm. So perfect example, if you are doing an overhead press and your spine's like a noodle, you're not going to be able to overhead press as much. Mm. But if you do a couple of planks before your upper body work, you actually feel stronger from the core. You'll be able to have that nice brace and then push better overhead. Um, Mm. So core work helps your performance. It also helps your glute function and hips because it, allows the lower back to know that it doesn't have to do all the work. The core is strong. The lower back, it's not jumping in on everything. Okay, cool. Glutes and hips can work better and everything else can work better. So really take your sequences into consideration too for your warm-up. Mm. Yes, yeah, stability equals output. The more stable you are, the more output you can get. And you can use this in different sorts of strategies. Like for example, you're in a you know hypertrophy phase. If you take stability sort of aspects away from things and use machines, for example, where you can create more stability, you can usually get more output. So you can get stronger on those things because you've got something externally stabilizing you. So it's 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 a fantastic point. And I think stability is like one of those things that people don't quite use in programming or don't quite think of how they can strategically use it to align with their goals. So um, one thing I was going to say is, did you see that photo I put up on my story a while ago where it looked like my rib cage been punched into next week? Oh, was that your before and after on your posture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. My pelvis, like my significant anterior pelvic tilt and lordosis through my back. And one of the most, the best thing I ever learned about my training was how to breathe properly and how to stack how to stack it's so it's the first thing one of the first things i teach now and i put people into positions so they have to stack like a front squat or a goblet squat or a counterweight or anything like that that forces them into the correct positions i think is a fantastic way to teach movement patterns oh a hundred percent and that's brilliant and yeah that photo definitely says a lot about posture as well and i'm sure you didn't um, start training to to fix that posture but that was a byproduct your your posture corrected a little bit um but no one showed me that no one told me that they would check in photos for a coach lol (laughs) we live and we learn (laughs) we live and we learn um planks are also another really good way to do it but then also awareness being aware that Mm -hmm. that's what we look like when we stand breathing as you mentioned all of that but it all comes down and i think people think just because they're on a machine that their core can go on a holiday or not show up and that's why people hurt themselves on the glute drive as well because you've got that board on your back and they think oh i don't need to brace because it's already Mm -hmm. there or on the leg press and that's dangerous as well so definitely learn how to to stack the rib cage as you said so have everything in a nice neutral spine um, mm. and then learn how to hold your planks and be strong in everything. Even if you're doing a bicep kill, you want your core showing up. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And the more load that you add to something like 
the like form technique breaks down under heavy load always, you know, and this is why I always sort of move away from people being like have perfect form. I think it's almost like an unrealistic expectation to say have perfect form because tempo is going to start slowing down. And the thing is we shouldn't be training for certain exercises to failure. We shouldn't be training to technique failure. We should be training to when you're like, no, that was the the last rep was a bit messy. You know how like that last one's a bit of a grind and then you re-rack and it's like, all right, put it away. You might be able to get more out on a machine if you've got the proper internal bracing. And Mm. definitely with the glute drive, um, I notice like if I go and I get to like strength points, like four plates is sweet, five plates I can I can just manage. If I try to do anything more, I lose my brace. Doesn't matter how much back support I got and it doesn't matter how fixed you are into something, you still mm. need internal brace to stabilize your glutes. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just going to hyperextend under that belt anyways. And what's the point? You know, back to the goal. Mm. Well, that's in a sense, it depends what you mean earlier, what you said, we, we don't need perfect form, but it depends what perfect is for you. So if we have that last rep, rep where our back rounds, then that can be the rep that we fuck our back. You know what I mean? So it, I understand what you mean. If the tempo speeds up a little bit, okay, sure. Whatever. If your shoulder doesn't retract a little bit, sorry. Safe form we should always have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, but if it comes to tempo and all of that on the last couple of reps, cool, but whatever. But if the technique really hinders, all right, we need to change what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, stability is everything. The more stable we are, the more our body feels safer to move through a greater range of motion as well. You'll be mm. able to bend down and touch your toes rather than stretching your hamstrings, brace your core, activate your glutes. You'll be able to bend forward further because mm. the body feels safe as well um and yeah so frequency when injured you will need to increase the frequency so do your activations and mobility at least twice a day before you train and Mm -hmm. then before work or anything that might aggravate your pain Mm -hmm. um but then if you're not injured and you want to activate and mobilize cool keep it immediately before your training as well yeah, absolutely. I think we've covered off some really great points in this conversation. I know we wanted to really hone in on some of the best exercises, but it's just it just depends so much on like everything. And there's so many ways that you can do things. And there's so many ways outside of what we think as well, Danny, like hundreds. There's people that would agree and disagree on things that we say. And that's also fine as well because there's mm. multiple different avenues to get to a goal. Yeah, all we need to do, find our goal, find where your weaknesses and strengths are, strengthen your weaknesses, okay, and then take note of the movement patterns that you're spending most of your day in. Are you sitting Mm -hmm. for 10 hours a day in that flex position? Okay, we need to work on strengthening the opposite, you know. Mm -hmm. They're the, the foundations that I always go down to. Um, yeah. And tracking your results, okay? Film yeah. yourself. Sherelle's created Team Tripod. Get around it, yeah? Measure what you're lifting. Write it down or put it in your app so then mm. you can apply progressive overload, okay? So it's all good and well having an awesome program that's perfect for you now. But then if you're not tracking and measuring and aiming to make it a little bit harder each time, then there's no point going through the same program week in, Mm. week out, you you won't get results either. Okay. So progressive overload and tracking your results is really important too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fundamental in all of that. If you want to know if a program's working, we need to measure what's happening with you and how that's tracking with your goal and whether it's aligning. Um, 
But are you happy with all of that, Danny? Have we have we come? <laughs> Feels like we've gone through a maze. Have we come out I the end know. of the maze yet? But that's what it is. And and uh, as we always say in all of our technique, look, you can't go wrong if you just always go back to the basic fundamentals. All right, mm. who's your client? What are their goals? All right, and then work in around that. Take mm. into consideration their lifestyle factors, how long they can train, their training experience, quote unquote. Like, how do they actually move? Um, will they enjoy the training? Okay. Mm. And then it's your job to put, to get them, take all those factors, put them on the exercise timeline. Okay. Do we progress or regress? And then go from there. Okay. Mm. Although there are so many factors that may make it seem complicated, it's simple. Okay. Yeah. We don't need to do all this fancy stuff all the time. Yeah. We don't need to do more. Keep it simple, but be consistent. Okay. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. Low hanging fruit. I wish like <laughs> when I was younger that I would just, when I first started training that I did just keep it so simple. Yeah. I went through like simple at the start, you know, like yeah. just get into the gym. Because you're a bit do- scared, eh? Yeah. Because yeah, I was like, you know, leg extension, yeah. like pull down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Literally, that's the other thing that grew was my quads. Yeah. Um, and then went through this complicated stage where it's like, okay, triceps, triple, two percent, yeah, like yeah. put everything <laughs> together and just go, go, go. And then now I'm back to simple. But yeah. it's so much harder because I'm doing it properly. Correct. So, I love that. It's um yeah, it's so much it's so much fun. It, I love programming. It's like mm. problem solving. It's like putting puzzles together and I yeah. I question myself and that's what we should be doing, you know. Um I've got a friend and every time I do an exercise, he'd be like, Why are you doing that? And it's not a question. He's just he, like give give me a rationale as to why I'm like doing it because of this. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Mm. And that if you can do that with why you're doing what you're doing, that's it. That's all you can ask. Yeah. I just think it's super important that we question why we are doing and have a reason as to why we're doing it. Like life's short you know let's not spend too much time wasting it on useless stuff get in do what you need to do get the goal measure it go home yeah and have fun and have fun along the way fun that's it all right (laughs) call it a day i think Call it a day. And I also <laughs> wanted to say um, if anyone has any um, recommendations for people they would love us to sit down and have a chat with or interview, um, slide into the Level Up Instagram DM box um, and give us any recommendations of guests you'd love us to have on the show. How fun. I love having guests, but I also Me love our, our banter shit talks too. <laughs> yeah, it's I always know. fun. It's always fun. Um, But if everyone, um, if you did enjoy this episode, I should say, please do take a screenshot, tag myself, tag Danielle, and of course, the Level Up podcast. See you next week.